You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Tomberly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Tomberly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that from all different fields are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. Today, I am talking with a woman who has faced many of her own challenges on her journey to where she is today. This woman's empowerment coach, she spent 20 years as a teacher, translator, and interpreter, and also she has triplets, which I think is amazing. And in all of this journey, she has discovered her own passion for empowering women. And we're going to hear her story, her expertise, and her experiences today. And I know that you guys are going to love her as much as I do. So please welcome Marta Spurk with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Thanks for coming. And I love it that you have such a wide variety of experience. Um, I remember when you presented your story, I was one of the guest speakers, panelists at one of your events. And I love the way that you presented your story because for me, it was real, right? Like as a mom, as a woman, you have, you have moved, you have had babies, you have, you, and you still, and you work and you grow a business and you developed your passion and you are so excited about the impact that you have on the world that you, it touched me. And so I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you so much. So tell our listeners a little bit about your journey. Like, where are you from? How did this all start? Okay. So I'm originally from Brazil, and from a young age, I had this passion for um, the American culture and for English and for languages in general. And now I'm actually discovering why as I dig deeper into my personality type and the things that I value and how I'm a go-getter. And that has everything to do with the American dream and all the things. But so it all started with me um, starting to teach my friends English because I had such an easy time and it was fun. And for okay, in, so where were you at that time when that started? You were in Brazil. In Brazil, yeah. Yeah, and so how did and how did you learn English so well? Was it spoken in your family? No, not really. Well, it's it's something that's very valued in Brazil. For you know, you you, you learn it in school, but then usually parents, middle class, you, they'll put you in a in a language school to learn better, since school is just the basics, and that's just something to build your resume eventually. That's something that people do. So down is it there. required in Brazil to learn English? As part of the curriculum in school, yes. It is, yeah. So, like, I, I, my kids were originally raised the first part of their life in Toronto. And so, okay. like, French was mandatory because mm-hmm. it's a dual language country. Yeah. So, um, that, I wondered if it's like that. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it was mandatory, but it wasn't that great of a level. It's like, you know, yeah, some stuff, right. but not enough to speak or to say that you're fluent. So, most kids, um, again, if you're middle class, you that's something that the parents do. They will put you in school, um, in, in, a, in a language school. And I was obsessed. I loved it. I watched all mm-hmm. the movies and listened to all the songs. I used to, back when, when I was smaller, you didn't have the internet. You could just look for lyrics for stuff, you know? So like I would song just- song lyrics? <laughs> song lyrics. And so I would listen. I remember I would listen to uh, music on my huge, like, stereo with the CDs, and I would pause, and I like would go back. Box? Like a boombox? Wait, are we talking a boombox? Yeah, kind of <laughs> like that. A huge one that I just- took everywhere in the house and I would pause and I would listen to it and I would write down what I would hear and sometimes I didn't understand what they would say and I would just keep listening to it like it was an obsession for sure to understand the music and the lyrics and the 
the language. And so because I had such an easy time with that, um, my friends started asking me for help before tests. And it turned into me actually uh, getting paid to teach people from church and other people that would learn about it. And they would come to my house, I would go to their house. And it was kind of like the entrepreneur spirit starting there. And it was almost like I already had my career um, pretty much decided before I even had to start or college or go into college. I knew I wanted to do something with languages, with English. And I found um, a major, because in Brazil things kind of work different with schools, you, you have to pick your major beforehand, you don't just take the basics in the first two I years. See. And so I found this course that was uh, geared towards translation, because that's something I was already started uh, starting to do with my with my mom in her church, she's a pastor, and that was another way of me getting in touch with the culture, was because she, she got in contact with uh, American ministers, and they started going to Brazil through her church, and I was the one interpreting their materials, like the newsletters, um, even one of the books, and interpreting when they would come. So it was all like, it all developed really naturally without it being a career, but it kind of already was. And so when I went to get my bachelor's degree, um, it was uh, for translation. Yeah, which is was obviously a natural fit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. it was great. And, and I learned French in, in college too, so that's, I do interpreting for French as well. So you are fluent in all three? Yes. English? Is it Portuguese? Portuguese, Portuguese yeah. and French. Wow. I know a little bit of Spanish, too. I can't say I'm fluent, but it's very, very close to Portuguese. And of it, course, is, it is similar. All yes. the countries right. you know, surrounding Brazil speak Spanish. We're the only country in South America that speaks Portuguese. Everything, every, 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 All the other countries are Spanish. So now, isn't that interesting? Why does Brazil speak Portuguese? Because of the colonization. So uh, Portugal actually went, um, had the expeditions and went down there. And so for the most part, all of it was uh, Portuguese. And then eventually with, you know, wars and things like that, they settled with just that territory and everything else was Spain. I see. And since we're in Colorado, I mean, Spanish is definitely a a very common language here. Mm -hmm. And I like to tell people that, um, you know, as far as I can recall back from history, I recall when Mexico used to, you know, have territory in the United States. And that's where a lot of the Spanish influence in this part of, you know, our state comes mm-hmm. from. But how common is it to have Portuguese-speaking individuals in Colorado? So I was surprised when I started working as an interpreter. My husband was like, well, if you were doing Spanish, I'm sure you'd get a lot of work. Portuguese, not a whole lot, maybe once a month. I'm literally doing something every single day. You can either find me at Children's Hospital or in the courts. Uh, there are lots of Brazilians all over the United States. I have come to realize that you know the, the concentration really is in Florida and also in, in Massachusetts and Boston. But there are lots of Brazilians here in Denver, like a lot. Interesting. So do you do that work on the side? Like, do you take um, paid gigs as an interpreter, like you said, for courts and for the hospitals? Yes. So that's what I usually say that's my actual career. That's my background is languages. Um, the very first thing that I've known is helping people with English and, you know, Portuguese now. Um, and then the coaching came really as a combination of, um, the entrepreneurial spirit, the, the teacher in me and the motivator in me because of church. So it was just like, especially after having kids, that's where it all came about. Yeah, so let's talk about the let's talk about the babies. Mm-hmm, <laughs> talk, I mean, I I think that I'm probably not the only person who, when you tell them you have triplets, go <gasps> yes, whoa. <laughs> and I get so like I expect that reaction. So when people don't get like 
the, you know, wide eye reaction, I'm like, okay, I guess maybe they know triplets because it's just so common. Whenever I say I have triplets, people are just super surprised. Well, it's just, and for me, it's more just because of raising one baby at a time is hard enough. I know I have friends that have twins. That's hard enough. And I add a third one in there and I think, I how, you know, holy goddess, how do you do that? <laughs> um, but do you guys have help? Does your family have help? Um, so they actually were born in Brazil, which was nice because the first six months are the worst because you're just getting used to it. And as a first time mom, like, like, how do you even deal? So I had my family. I had, you know, my mom, my grandma. I had people to help. And then we moved back to the U.S. And then that was the tricky part because my husband's family is actually from Nebraska. So I don't have anybody here, you know, that could help with a brand new baby. So how old were they when you moved? To nine months old. Oh, my. Yeah, it was pretty intense. But now looking back, it was actually nice that they were small and they took naps because now they don't anymore. And that's the struggle. But they go to school. So that's my saving grace. Yeah. yeah so do you have help? Do you have a nanny? Do you have babysitters? Like, do you rely upon people to help you? Well, not really. I do have sitters that come whenever we, we need to go out and stuff like that. But um, I just powered through until they were three and they started going to school. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it, it's, I mean, there's a pro and con to that. The pro to that is, yeah, you don't have to, first of all, you don't have the cost. You don't have other yeah. people around. Um, and it's all, and it's hard to keep consistency sometimes unless mm-hmm. you're going to have, like, somebody full time. Yes. And when I was, when I lived in Toronto, I know anybody that had multiple kids under the age of four all had nannies. And I, I didn't. And I know that, I know that there was a trade-off to that, of course. Yeah. But I think that the downside to that is do you take time for self-care? Because, yeah, so that's where the coaching all, you know, yes, started because right. I needed something else. And you'd think that's crazy. Why would you add something else? But it's because I needed to take care of me to be able to take care of them, you know. And and I think I think a lot of it is cultural too. I think it depends on the family. But if if I were in Brazil during this time, I probably would have had more help because of my family and because it's more culturally the norm of having a live-in nanny or you know people that help you with stuff. Whereas I feel like here in the United States, people just you know. It depends on the situation, but for the most no, let's, part. Well, let's, let's talk about that mm-hmm. for a minute because actually that is true. Like in the United States, we expect women to do it all yeah. and, and, and still look hot while they do it. Yes. And have, right. <laughs> and, and, and be perfect and have good hair. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that is, it is, it is not the right way. It does take a village. It really does take a village. It, it takes a village for us as moms. Yeah. It takes a village for, to raise our children so they can see a variety of different viewpoints and understand that we have an unlimited capacity for love. Yes. Right. That's, that's what parenting in a silo doesn't do. It doesn't teach your children that there can be uh, a large capacity for love. And I, I think that, I think that what, you know, your traditions are in Brazil are, are probably better, honestly. I, I mean, in my opinion, if I look at my kids now and the amount of my friends who consider my kids theirs and would take care of them um, as if they were their own mm-hmm. or that my kids look at them to know that they have people, both men and women friends. I have, you know, male and women friends yeah. that I know if, if I needed anything for my children that I could call them in a second. Yeah. So I have a village now, but I didn't, I wouldn't say I always raised mine that way, mm-hmm. but I do feel like as women, we also need that connection to other people. We yeah. need other people to love our children as much as mm-hmm. we do and, and help us carry the burden and the honor. Yeah. Right. Of that role. Totally. Yeah. And I like the idea, too, that when your babies were born, you had your mom and your grandmother around. Yes. We need women. Yes. We need women, especially when we have babies. I mean, not that men, you're not useful. I I love you all. You're so useful, but you're really sort of not. Yeah. In some ways, (laughs) it's just true. Mm -hmm. And and also, we we need to share that, you know, the learning. Right. I'm sure your grandmother 
taught you things that she had taught your mother when your mother had had you. Yeah. And those traditions and how we parent and how we love. Um, and of course, not everybody's traditions are worthy of replicating, and only a person knows that. Um, but in, in, in hopefully, in as many cases as possible, we can take something good out of it. Yes, definitely. And I think not to say that you know the way here doesn't have as its advantages. I feel like it really helped me with just you know being independent and yeah. um, kind of. Because of my reality with triplets, it's kind of something that I would have to do. But comparing with other triplet moms that have more help than I had, it kind of t- taught my kids to wait because there's only one of me. And sometimes to this day, I, I still have to tell him, there's three kids, one mommy. So help me out here. I don't know if they fully grasp, probably not because they're four. Um, but it is a challenge and it, it teaches you to create systems and multitask, which is not always ideal and the greatest, but I feel like it teaches them this independence too, which goes a lot with my work of I'm doing this thing to teach myself to find the validation within me, but at the same time, this is what I'm going to be teaching my kids to, to find, you know, the strength within them, because this is what I had to find in order to take care of them. Yeah. You probably are teaching them way more than you know, just by doing that. And as they grow, you're going to be able to give them more responsibilities to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a single mom. I've been raising my kids since they were young on, on my own. And there was a period of time, um, when I realized that I could not get myself to work every day and home and take care of the house without their help. And I knew that they were old enough. I don't even know. They must have been like six and four at the time. But I knew that they were old enough to do something like pack their lunch or put their laundry away. And other, you know, a lot of women in my community didn't need to do that because they were either at home or they still wanted to fill that role. And I made that switch really early. And so still today, my kids are, they have the ability to create independence um, and and handle themselves. Not that they still don't like it when mommy cooks and mommy, I mean, they're, and they're grown adults Mm -hmm. and they still like that. But, um, I, I do think that that made a big difference and it also made it way easier as a mom to feel like I don't have to do it all. They can do some too. Yes. Like give them some responsibility. And that meant that when they left the house and first went to college, cause they're both back home now. Um, but when they went to college, I knew that they knew how to do things like cook yeah. and feed themselves and take care of their laundry and handle their business. Yes. You know? Yes. So that's, so you're starting it at that age out of necessity. Yeah. Um, but it's a big gift. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, we got totally off topic. We could talk about parenting forever. Um, cause even though my kids are grown, I still love the, the baby time. I love the young kid time. I feel like I could have a baby in my house all the time. Um, and you know, people might say, curse you for that. Don't say that. <laughs> no, I, I do. It's to me, it's the most special time in our lives. So I could talk about that for a while, but let's talk about your coaching business. So how did you, like, where, where's the spark? Like, where did that spark start? So it really started when we moved back to the U.S. because of this whole situation of me just having to do it all um, and being by myself and understanding that I needed to take care of myself. And a lot of it now, it's so interesting that, you know, three years later, I'm looking back because I'm always analyzing, you know, my my, my history and what happened. And it really was... um, kind of like that one moment that I had to figure out for myself where my compass was and who my guide was, uh, because I've had that taught to me and um, imparted to me 
through church and through my family. And when I began my emancipation by going crazy and marrying an American and and moving to the U.S., which that's another story in itself. Oh, my gosh. That's another day. I I do think we should talk about that story. That must have been major. Yeah. And I'm only now seeing how major it was because this this is the thing with me. And when I was um, talking about understanding my personality type, like, I have no problem just making a fool of myself and just doing all the things and not caring um, if somebody is thinking that that's not what I'm supposed to do or whatever. If I want something, I'm going to make a way of making it happen. And the epitome of that was me living, leaving the nest um, to another country. It's like, it was craziness. And I did How it. old were you when you left Brazil? I was 23. Oh my. Yeah. And it was, it, he was essentially my first longtime How boyfriend person. I met him in church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so how did you get to Oklahoma, though, from Brazil? Well, because my mom ha- was in touch with American ministers, and they were based oh, in Tulsa. Oh, so, I see. Yeah. Oh, curse those exchange programs. <laughs> That's what she says. I'm never sending another child to an exchange. No, but I, I see. That's, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it all started like that with me kind of, um, which for my family was very hard because it seemed like I was being ungrateful, like I don't need any of you around me anymore. I'm just, you know, up and left, which, of course, it was not the case. We were still in touch, but in their mind, it was this. Yeah. You know, being ungrateful, and I've, you know, I remember having conversations with my mom, just crying, saying, "It's not that I'm ungrateful. I appreciate everything that you've done, but I need to follow my heart. I need to follow my path." And essentially, the coaching was that too. Is like I need to follow my heart, and especially being aware of the responsibility that I have to these three little kids. And one of the things that my husband always says is that, you know, when you have kids at different ages, it's like you learn from the experience, and maybe you can do it differently. We kind of don't have that option because we're doing it all at the same time, which is a lot of pressure. Of course, you have to give yourself grace, but it's there, right? And so it really came from now I'm a mom. What do I really believe believe in? Um, because I, I essentially walked away from the life that I lived because it was in a different country and because I didn't agree with all, with a lot of it. And that's why I decided to pursue a relationship with somebody from somewhere else. I think I think too, and I, I just want to add in here that what I can what I can feel from you too is that you are not going to be confined in a box. No, and honestly, it's 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 a beautiful part of you that you are willing to just say, uh, uh-uh, uh, nope. And that does that does mean hard things yes. ahead of you, and and probably forever, like forever. not just now, forever. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, we were just talking about being not being a rule breaker. I'm I, I must tell you that are you guys that are listening that we are at Workability in mm-hmm. Denver, which is an amazing. Space and I love it and, and Caroline I love you so much and I just got busted for burning sage before we started this show so yeah rule breaking is mm-hmm. is in my blood um mm-hmm. yeah I I think that that is a beautiful part of you and I hope hope Marta that you think about that as you grow that your you know your you know I want to say desire to not be put in a box or a space is part of your superpower. Yes, it totally is. And I'm so glad that you said that because I have been realizing, especially with the things that I have been developing recently with the workshops and, and you know, in-person events and things like that, is that not everybody is going to be doing what I'm doing, but I have this gift and I have this desire and somebody has to do it, right? That's why we're all so different. There has to be a person like me in the world so that I can bless people with what I have and find these other gifts and these other women so that they will have a platform to talk about what they do best. And so 
the world needs a crazy person that doesn't want to fit in a box to help the others, right? And so, or persons, the world needs yeah. lots of you. Yes, I of mean, course. You're you're speaking to a, you know an audience of women that listen to the show that are all very similar to that, right? Because anybody that's a female entrepreneur or that is willing to take a leadership role where it has not been taken by a woman before, or is willing to sit behind a microphone like you and I do, both do, because you have a podcast yeah. as well, knowing that less than twenty percent of podcast hosts are women, that we put our voices forward and we talk about things that are hard, right? I mean, the world needs women to do that. And and here's what I'm here's what I'm going to say and I I believe this wholeheartedly is that you know, the issues that we see with women in advancement in the world right now is not just because of corporate white men. It's also us. Yeah. Right? We get to choose. And so you're setting the stage and an example for other women to not fit in a box. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's that's truly what I believe empowerment it comes from, um, which is what I have chosen to call you know myself, my my podcast, and my workshops. Because a lot of times we feel that being empowered means you have to rise above somebody else, and I truly believe that you have to just rise above your own self and your own limitations and the box that you, you know, that were that was self-imposed. Because we we feel like people are putting ourselves in the box, you know, and 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 then when we do that. We're we're acting out of victimhood. We're not empowered, right? And when you understand yourself and what your gift is and you just go for it and you, you know, come out of that box, then nobody can stop you. And it's not because you're fighting against people. You're fighting against your own fears. Mm. So how much of that box do you think is, is that we should own as our own choice? Well, I, I think it really depends on everybody's personality type. And this is what I always default to because I can't speak for anybody else because I don't know them. I'm on my path of knowing myself. And the only thing that I can do is help you with tools so that you can figure out if you are in a box, right? And where this comes from and what feels comfortable to you. Is it really comfortable to, to, to live in there or not? And, and there, I can't say that, you know, and that's where self-awareness and self-discovery is so important. And this is what I have come to realize that for so much of my life growing up in church, I would hear so much about God's calling. You know, you were born with this calling. You were born with something that you have to follow and fulfill. And it was kind of like that thing that you don't really know where it's going to, you know, fall off in your head. How is it, how are you going to know if you're actually fulfilling it and living it? And after all these years, you know, being in my thirties now, having had so many different experiences of moving around the country and with three kids and starting a business, a different business and all of that, I have come to realize that my life is my calling and following my heart is my calling, right? So the more that you understand yourself, the more you're going to be fulfilling your calling. That's the ticket. <laughs> Yeah, I wish you could say that exactly the same way you just said it again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I know I'm not going to ask you to do that. Yeah, that's an inward journey. You're talking about an inward journey. And you know what? It, it's it's work. Yeah. Everything you just described is not easy. No. You don't just get to look in the mirror one day and say, oh, that's that's it. That's for me. That's my client. And actually living your life and, and having experiences, that's, that's how you go inward. Yes. And... I assume you must have a very supportive husband because one thing that, and I know I love it that you just smiled because I think that that is a lot of women have to actually end, like break out of constraints that, 
that they have put themselves in or have developed or whatever, or they've grown past it and their partner didn't grow. So I, I see and talk to a lot of women that have experienced exactly what you're talking about, finding finding the passion, finding the heart for their life and where they want to go and how they want to get there. And yes, oftentimes it's through a coach yeah. or maybe a therapist. Yeah. Or in my case, it could be a spiritual advisor or um, a priestess or a shaman, somebody that has helped them feel that. And in order to make that growth step, sometimes they have to end some things, right? Some things have to end for new things to begin. But I think in your case, you, that hasn't needed to happen. Okay. So let me, let me tell you a little bit more about that. Um, it hasn't always been easy because at first my husband didn't really understand this need that I had because of staying at home with the kids of starting something new while they were still so little. And the more that I, um, leaned into this and understood myself, I was actually able to understand him and where he's coming from Hmm. and understand um, why he didn't see what I see because everybody sees the world in a different way. And I can say that me understanding myself has helped me understand him more, which in turn has improved our relationship. But it's definitely been a journey because at first he didn't really agree with me doing what I'm doing. And especially when I talk so much about self-love and putting myself first, uh, we've had several conversations of him like asking me, so where where do I come into this and where Mm. do the kids come in? And I've had to uh, really dig deep to find a decent explanation for somebody that's not inside me, you know, um, and that is a man that doesn't understand the reality of being a woman, of being a stay-at-home mom, of being a triplet mom, because I was still trying to figure out, I'm still figuring that out because it's just, you know, an ongoing process to come to terms with. I birthed three kids at the same time. Which and- can we just acknowledge that this is a miracle <laughs> that is. your body made and grew three babies yeah, at the same insane. time? I, I, I was reading an article yesterday that um, basically just started. It was a whole rant about the amazingness of the female body that can hold and make a human. Yeah. And that, man, you can't make a human. There's a lot of good things you can do, yeah. but you cannot make a human in your body. Um, so anyway, I just I had to say that. Yes, like, you thank you. Three. Oh, my gosh. It is. Yeah, it is so insane. And um, to going back to our relationship. I feel like the struggle with him and now that he sees that I'm growing and then that I'm evolving and helping other women and I share the feedback with him and everything, he's seeing how this is helpful to other people and how it's not just me fulfilling like my ego of wanting to be in front of people. It really is a work. Um, And a lot of it comes from the fact that his mom and I share a birthday and we have a lot in common. And that's something kind of strange, I feel, for a man to essentially have married his mom. Not 100%, obviously, because we're different. I come from a different country and all the other things. But there's a lot that overlaps. And for him, it's kind of like he's reliving that. And I really believe that you end up with somebody to learn certain lessons. And I feel like it's kind of like his do-over with his relationship with his mom, which is pretty intense, but also beautiful. And that's why I, I... I said that me understanding myself has helped me understand him and where he's coming from uh, when he doesn't necessarily disagree. But he he is very supportive. Um, I can't say that he's not, but I don't I don't want to I don't want it to sound like it's been an easy road uh, because it hasn't been um, because we're always trying to understand each other and support each other on our dreams. 
So you guys have done the work. We're talking about the same thing again. You guys are, you have done the work. You've put the effort in. And I mean, the reality is, is that you guys get to choose, right? Every day you get to choose when you wake up, if you will still want to be married to this person. Mm -hmm. And if you wake up and you still want to be married to this person and there's an issue or he's not in alignment with where you're going, finding a way to figure that out seems really important. And so, you know, kudos to you. First of all, thank you for sharing and being honest Mm -hmm. about it Um, because it's never easy. I mean... There's, there's nothing, there is nothing that is, that requires major growth that's ever going to be yeah. easy. But I like that you guys are working through that. Yes, we are. So, so tell, so tell my listeners a little bit more about your coaching practice. Like, what do you offer and how, how can they get in touch with you? So, um, what I have right now, besides the in-person events here in Denver that I've decided to do, to do monthly and I'm super excited about, um, to, to bring different women to talk about different topics and also share my view on certain topics, um, I also have a membership site, and this is what um, I want to extend not only to the women here in Colorado while we're in between the events, uh, but also women all over, um, is it's, I, I call it a school, the empowered woman school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes really back to me teaching English for so long and understanding that it's always, when you're learning something, it's always a process, right? You don't do something one day and then three years later you, you go back right. and you revisit. You need support and you, you need, need support, support yeah. and you need consistency. And this is what I, um, have understood as a teacher, for so long is that um, it's the same applies for personal development, which we know, you know, working on our emotions and working in our brain is the same as going to the gym. You can do something one day and then expect it to last forever. It's something that needs to be constant. And this is what I've noticed when I was going through this path myself is that um, it's very, it, it can be sporadic and there can be little consistency with, I'll listen to a podcast today, tomorrow I'll, I'll read 10 pages of a book, uh, you know, a self-help, self-improvement book. And nothing really changes. You don't, you know, you're encouraged in that one moment and you just, you know, don't know what to do. And this is what I feel like is really helpful um, in addition to my events, because I don't want the events to be the thing that you hold on to until, you know, and then you don't know what to do with your life and while, while you're not in an event. So explain the events, because we haven't gotten into that. When you say yeah. event, explain what that means. So I um, have been doing a panel panels with women on specific topics. So the one that you participated in, we were talking mm-hmm. in general about um, empowerment and self-love, self-image. Um, and I have women from different backgrounds share their perspective on these things and talk about their story and how their perception of themselves has evolved. Um, and then I share my perspective on that with specific exercises. And that's why I call the events workshops because I want it to be interactive. I don't want you to just sit there and listen to people talk because you can do that with a podcast as well or just listening to videos on YouTube. Um, I want you to think. I want you to use your head and apply that to your life because ultimately that's how you see change when you're reading a book. It's it's not just you know learning that concept. It's really uh, applying that to your life and seeing yeah, you how you can improve. Yeah, you have to have practical outcomes. Yes, pieces you cannot your brain it's it's like i like to think of it like you know you can read a martial art book all yeah. you want um but until you actually do the movement or hit somebody or exactly. hit a pad you're gonna have no clue what that feels mm-hmm. like yeah. exactly and this is what i do with the school is having um the continuation of that so you leave the workshop super empowered and you you know you can try to do some of the exercises on your own but ultimately if you don't have accountability you're not going to keep doing it. And so it's to add the accountability piece of other women helping each other. And what I always like to say is that we're not just students in there. We're all teachers because everybody has 
something that can teach that they can teach even if they are not a coach um, there's some story some experience that you've gone through that you can share with another woman that is going to you know maybe um, turn on that light bulb in there in her head or whatever even if she if she can't resonate specifically with your story because she hasn't gone through it it'll teach her something and that's why that's the beauty of having friendships and and connecting with with community. different it's, it's community, community yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So that's on your website at the Empowered Woman School. Yes. And what is the website? MartaSpurk.com. And I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Okay. So tell us what's coming in 2020. Like you have this school, online school that mm-hmm. people can participate in. It's a monthly membership. Yes. So they're building a community. You do in-person live events where you're specifically addressing topics. In my case, I we were talking about branding and, and, and self-love, but I also shared some information about what it was like to start my own business mm-hmm. at my age. Um, and the, with the fact that I look different than mm-hmm. a lot of other women that are in the business fields because of my tattoos. Yes. And I, I think that those types of conversations are really good for women to have. So you have these live events. So what else is coming in 2020? Do you do any one-on-one coaching? Yes, I do do one-on-one coaching. I forgot to say that. Um, that's always a possibility. Um, but of course, with the time constraint, um, being a part of the school, I like to say that if you are um, somebody that is driven, the school is great because you're going to go after it and you're going to log on you're going to, you know, participate and do all the things, but depending on the moment of your life, or if you know that you need that extra accountability, doing the one-on-one is always best because you're going to have to report to somebody at the end of the day. You're going to have to have that meeting, that encounter. So you have to have something to show for. And so, um, one-on-one is always a good bet on that sense. Yeah. And it's investing in yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's taking time. It's like, I, I, th- I say everybody needs a coach yes. um, in every way, in every, in every way at different periods in their life, everybody needs coaching. Um, like I work with a coach too, to help me with my strength training, even though I can probably write my own programs and I can do it myself. I work with a coach. Mm-hmm. I work with different nutrition coaches at different times of the year. I work with business coaches that help me develop. I, I've launched a new section of my company called Taverly's Tribe, where I've brought together a bunch of female experts, which one day you might want to be involved in, that people can go to one-stop shop to find all of the female experts, whether you're looking for career advice or entrepreneur advice or support in different areas. I have coaches helping me with that. Like I'm not, I'm not developing any of that on my own. I have coaches for the podcast. I mean, I, I have people that have expertise in areas that I think the most important part too is, is bringing in the knowledge that I don't have. Number one, number two, facilitating goals. And then number three, holding me accountable. And that isn't always a loved one that you want to do that like yeah. friends and, and colleagues and, and, you know, especially for people like you and I, we're entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. it's not like we have peers, right. we have peer, our peers are people that are doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So finding someone that is not competitive, that sees collaboration over competition, yes. that can really sit down and say, Oh my goodness, here's a challenge that I know you're facing. Um, and let's work on this together and be your partner in your success is important. And so that's what you are for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. I love it. Um, Okay, so I have one more question for you, and that is, like, what do you see your long-term strategy being? And I, I ask this because I think that, maybe you don't know yet, but I think that we we often start small, but knowing we have a long-range goal. So I want to hear about your long-range plans. Yeah, and I feel like the events have, have really opened up something for me that I, I have known was going to be in my path, I just didn't know how. And it's so interesting how things unfold um, in a way that you're not expecting. And it just looks so beautiful. And again, going back to uh, what I was accustomed to, like 
my life was church until I got married, essentially. And this is something that I am just now talking more about because of the way that I left. Um, I, I was trying to figure everything out for myself, like what I what I really want. And um, being a part of big groups and being in like conferences and this is what I knew. And whenever I go to like in-person um, entrepreneurial events and conferences, I feel that vibe. Like this is what feeds my soul. This is what energy. I love. You're talking about energy. The yeah. energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is this is what I see in my future is really, you know, rooms full of people and full of amazing women um, starting here in Denver. But I can see myself all over the United States. Mm. And because I speak different languages, I can do this in other countries as well. I have done. What's interesting is that I started with the whole workshop idea in Brazil because I got to go back after three years. I hadn't gone back ever since we came um, last October and I went by myself. So it was like a crazy last minute decision to go visit my grandma who's um, in her 90s now and struggling with her health. And um, I decided to go without my husband, without the kids. So it was the very first trip solo trip, um, in three years. And, um, I decided to do a workshop down there. Some friends helped me. And that, that is when it all started, like kind of revisiting my roots, brought something back. Like Mm. I can do this, you know, and this is what I'm meant to do. Um, so definitely, uh, big in-person events, um, for women is what's coming up for me. Well, listen, I'm going to hold that space for you to help you, you know, in my, uh, my own way to, help you on that path and anything that we can do on, on this show and, um, in our networks to help you, you can count on me. And for those of you that are listening, like I highly recommend if this is an area that you know that you want to grow in or learn more about, go follow Marta. Um, tell them about your social media handles. Um, it's just Marta Spurk. So I have the Instagram Marta Spurk and also for the podcast, empowered woman podcast. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Marta Spurk, Marta Spurk coaching all across the board. And we'll put all of that in the show notes so people know how to find you. And Marta, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thank you for putting yourself forward and sharing your experiences about growth and learning and turning that into something that is so passionate to help other women because I know that I'm also doing women's work. And so when we, and and by the way, for all of you listening, if you haven't noticed, we're kind, we are in an area where there's some noise. And so I'm not in studio. We are at, I think I mentioned we're at Workability, which is workability.work if you need space. And so you're going to hear a little noise in these shows. I just, I, I should have mentioned that earlier, but in case you've made it this far into the podcast and you're wondering, what was that noise? We are in a space where there are other people. So if you hear some background, forgive us. Um, but yeah, thank you for, for putting yourself out there and really making change for women. Because when you talk about, when you talk about the change that you're making in yourself and, and being an out-of-the-box thinker, not be willing to be put in the box, you know that when you do that for yourself, it creates a ripple effect around you and it's going to be changing women's lives um, forever, which means it's going to change their next generations and then their next generation's lives. So thank you for that. I, I deep, deep bow to you, lady. Deep bow. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Thank you. And my friends, thank you for listening and we will be back. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hi, my name is Les Conley, and as producer of this show, I enjoy listening right along with you. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow Grit and Grace so that we can keep you up to date on all the exciting shows coming your way. Please check the show notes for links to our guests and feel free to contact us for more information. Taver Lee is a social impact entrepreneur, and she can be found at taverlee.com. That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E.com. 
We know your time is extremely valuable and we appreciate you spending it with us. Thank you.